0: Why is there this day on the calendar called Christmas? Why was Jesus born? Well, what if we let Jesus answer that question? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill church. Turn to your neighbors all the way around 360 and wish everybody a Merry Merry Christmas all throughout the room. All right, I guess that's enough. All right, well done, I guess. We just got back from New York City, had an incredible trip. A phenomenal team of 17 invaded New York City. It was incredible. They did a phenomenal job of reaching out into different boroughs in New York City especially Queens even had one of our own Alakai reach out to the whole state of North Carolina which was really cool you'll have to ask him about North Carolina when you get time told you I would do it alright that didn't make any sense to you but all it matters is I got Alakai alright uh, let's jump into where we left off two weeks ago we're talking about Christmas well why Christmas well for some people it's the time of the year we celebrate they check that's why they do Christmas Some people actually celebrate the birth of Christ. Awesome, check. But my question for you would be, why do we celebrate his birth? Why is there this day on the calendar called Christmas? Why was Jesus born? Well, what if we let Jesus answer that question? I'm gonna take you to a very familiar verse to start us. John chapter 10. Go to John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus will tell us why he was born. You get over to John chapter 10 and verse 10, the last part of the verse, and Jesus says this. He said, I came. In other words, he tells us why he was born into this world. He said there was a purpose, there was a reason. I came that you, every person in this room, that you might have abundant life. What we find from that understanding, what Jesus was teaching, is apart from Christ and being one with God, Without our sins being forgiven and we just live a natural life, we will never experience an abundant life. Now we might experience a season called a party life and we might party it up. We might experience a materialistic life. We might celebrate an ambitious life. But you can never have an abundant life apart from Christ Jesus. Jesus came to give us abundant life and ultimately eternal life. There is a reason we celebrate Christmas. It's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came as the gift of God. He is a gift from God. He is the only begotten son. And the Bible says that God so loved you, he gave. There's the gift. And the gift was his only begotten son. He would take on flesh. God would leave his throne in heaven. He'd be born into this world, laid in a manger and would be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Not a better birthing place for a lamb than where he was. He's the king of kings. He should have been born in a palace. But we find him born in Bethlehem, where all of the sacrificial lambs would be raised for the temple sacrifice of the sins of the people. And Jesus would be sent from heaven, the gift of God, to give us abundant life and eternal life. Then we get to the first part of the verse, back up to the first part, and Jesus also said this. Speaking of Satan, the enemy of your soul, he said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. These are the words of Jesus. And he is describing the enemy of your soul. He could have chosen any word as a descriptor of the devil. And he chose this one unique word, thief. There's something you need to hear today. There is one who would love to take everything from you. He would love to steal. He would love to destroy you forever and ultimately take your life and have you separated from holy God. There's a unique term in our culture these days, uh, speaking of thieves, called porch pirates. you familiar with the term? It's become a, a new career for some people. It's how they make a living off your porch. A porch pirate is somebody who shows up and uh, they see your packages hanging out, and obviously it's got to be of some value or you wouldn't ordered it. And so they show up on your front porch to steal your gifts. Now, we just got back from New York City, and we never once had a problem in that whole time we were there in New York City. I get back to Oklahoma City. You would think this would be a much safer place, and all of a sudden I had this experience this week. We've got one of those ring doorbells. Anybody into the ring doorbell world, you got one of those? They're the coolest thing on planet Earth. You can see anybody coming. I wish I would have had one of these when I was a youth pastor. I would have never been teepeed ever, Uh, but that was way before technology. So I'm just hanging out, and if you know how the technology works, if somebody approaches the camera, it will pick it up, and it will alert your phone or whatever device you've got it hooked up to the ring. So there I was just hanging out at home, kind of recovering from the trip, And uh, I get an alert, and so I just pull it up. I'm expecting it to be another delivery, because we order tons of stuff at Christmas and have it brought to us. And I'm pulling it up, and there's certainly somebody. It looks like they're uh, setting a package down the porch. And then when they stand up, I recognize that they're not in one of those Prime logo uniforms. It's not FedEx. It's a stranger. And they're not dropping off a gift. They're actually taking one of our packages. Well, I'm like, I've just been in New York. I'm a tough guy now. I'm not putting up with a porch pirate in Oklahoma City, and I go tearing out the door. I see this guy trying to straddle the box and trying to get it out of the neighborhood, and I'm running him down, and I'm gaining ground. Oh, yeah, I was fired up. I get to this guy and he's about to get out of the neighborhood. He came to the end where we have this big retaining wall and he's climbing that through the package over. He's getting to the top and I jump up just in time to grab him by the leg and I start yanking on him trying to pull him down. Just like I'm pulling your leg right now. <laughs> that didn't happen. Although if some porch pirate had showed up, it would happen. Not putting up with that. Nobody's getting my Amazon gift. Don't mess with my porch. And yet every day there is a porch pirate that is showing up on your front porch who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, because of the enemy of your soul, I have come. For God so loved you, he came to destroy the work of that porch pirate and to give you an abundant life and eternal life. You see, Satan is the original Grinch. He did come to steal Christmas. Not your Christmas packages that are showing up on the porch, but the gift of God that was brought to us and why we celebrate Christmas. You see, the enemy always loves to take what God has created, pervert it, twist it, distort it, or steal it. And you see, he doesn't want you to celebrate Christmas. He just wants you to have a holiday. He's happy with you putting it on your calendar. He's happy with you going to your Christmas parties. He's happy with you exchanging the gifts as long as you don't focus on the first Christmas gift. The one who was sent from heaven, the only begotten son who was born in Bethlehem. And so what does Satan do to steal Christmas from us? Well, he takes the gift of God, he perverts it into the gifts of Christmas. And if he can get you focused on what's on your want list or your wish list, what's going to show up in a stocking or under a tree and miss the first Christmas ornament that hung on a tree, he has robbed you of Christmas. I always bring out the Neiman Marcus gift book every year just to prove my point of how the enemy sneaks in to rob us of focus. I pulled up this year's gift book, 2019. Let me just show you a couple things that people need apparently for Christmas because we have lost our focus. For the ladies in the room, you get the first gift. It is called Makeup with Mario. I don't know who this Mario dude is, but apparently he is the master makeup artist of the world. Mario Dedavanovich. Anybody that ring a bell? I don't know. He's an expert. For $400,000, he promises you a flawless face because it takes that much to fix this. $400,000. Now you do get two tickets. You get to fly to Italy, you get to hang out with him for a day and you get a $400,000 paint job for the guys in the room not to be outdone. Daniel Craig has come to our rescue. Daniel Craig has designed seven, only seven because he is 007, Aston Martin vehicles. Specially designed, only seven of these exist on the planet. Cost for this little package, oh by the way, you do get a James Bond matching watch, one of seven, because he's 007. All of that for the price tag of $700,007. You can have your Aston Martin and watch the premiere in Paris, $700,000. But, let's get more realistic. That's not very realistic. Let's bring the price down. How many dog lovers in the room? God's will for mankind. How many cat lovers? Two. All right. Uh, Sorry. Okay. Doesn't matter, cat or dog lover, whatever you are. A pet paradise can be yours this Christmas. Denise Richards, along with a panel of famous architects, will work with you. You will personally design your pet paradise for your critter. You'll tell them what you want, if they want a Taj Mahal, they will literally replicate a, a, a pet-sized Taj Mahal. If you want a White House for the dog, they'll do it just like the White House, all scaled down, all tricked out. You get to customize the interior, the exterior, the landscape, your own pet paradise, $70,000 for Rover or Miss Kitty. What's going on? They're selling this stuff oh wait let's 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 take it up a notch i got one more for you just to prove how crazy we are at christmas take a look at this necklace ladies 52 carat diamond necklace can be yours this christmas anybody got a price tag ladies are calculating what is it a carat? do the math make sure you get to 3.2 million dollars being sold this christmas but ladies wait you can write the check, you can buy that necklace, but that's not for you. That is a dog collar. I'm not lying. Dog collar for $3.2 million. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. What does Christmas become? What in the world? How does that even show up in a catalog? Because the enemy has robbed us. Of Christmas Jesus what if this Christmas instead of a wish list instead of these crazy gifts instead of these things that we are hoping we get under a tree what if instead of our wish list for Christmas we focused on Jesus list what Jesus wanted Would that be a new concept I think it might be we're in John chapter 17 turn to John chapter 17 this morning two weeks ago we looked at verse 3 I appreciate brother Sean filling in last week. It was an awesome week. We had our phones blowing up because God moved so powerfully last Sunday and I pray the same would be true this week as we dig into the Word. John 17:3 is what we saw two weeks ago. Jesus is now praying. It's the last hours of his life here on earth. He was born. He grew up to the age of 30. He launched an earthly ministry. Three, three and a half years later, he would lay down his life. He is days, hours from a cross. The first Christmas tree. And he's going to be that ornament that hangs on that tree. And he would hang on that tree for you and for me. And now we look in, in a very intimate time between Jesus and the Father. It's known as the high priestly prayer. And Jesus is praying for the things of his heart, the things that he wants. What if we focused on this prayer this Christmas? What if this became our wish list? What if our hearts matched his heart? first thing he prayed for is he wanted everybody in this room to know eternal life not to know about it if you've lived in Oklahoma any time of your life if you've ever been to Falls Creek if you've ever been in a church you've heard this concept called eternal life you know about it you know the term but that does not mean that you know eternal life most of us look at eternal life as a destination it's what happens when we die, and if we're good enough, we go to heaven. If we're bad enough, you know, Peter's there at the gates and he ain't gonna let us in, and we go to a place called hell, and that's how simple our theology is. Scripture is very real, and Jesus prays about this issue of eternal life in verse 3, and he says, Eternal life is more than a destination, it is a determination. That determination is, I'm a sinner, separated from a holy God. And my only hope of being one with God is through the gift of God. That's why we have Christmas. That's why Jesus was born. And he says, Father, I pray that they would have eternal life and that they would know you. For this is eternal life. Eternal life is not a ticket to heaven. Eternal life is a relationship with a holy God. An unholy me is separated from that holy God by my sin, but that sin was removed on the cross because of the first Christmas gift. And for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus, because if he had never been born, he could have never have died. If he had never died for our sins, we'd be stuck in the wages of sin, which is death. So the first thing Jesus wants for everybody in this room Is that you know eternal life but not just the peace of going to heaven he wants you to know the lord god as your personal lord and that you have a relationship with him second thing he prays for let's take a look at it drop down to verse four this morning let's go to verse four jesus goes on to pray he says father i glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you've given me to do jesus now he's not bragging but he is testifying he said lord i have been faithful to you I have brought glory to your name here on this earth how did he glorify the father how can we glorify God by coming to church during Christmas time by throwing some money in a red bucket at the store is a ringing a bell how do we glorify God on this earth Jesus said I have glorified you because I have submitted to your will for my life and I've done the work you've called me to do could we pray today and say, Lord, the best, the best way possible, I'm seeking to glorify you with my life. And Lord, whatever you are desiring to do through me, whatever work you're wanting to do, I know God didn't call you to die on a cross and you're not the Messiah. But I know that he desires all of his children bring him glory and honor. Could that be maybe your focus this Christmas? Instead of focusing on a thing that's gonna rot and something that's gonna be out of date in three months, that you might focus on something that's eternal, something bigger than you. Lord, I wanna glorify you, work in my life. Verses on the screen you can see, John 4:34. he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I'm glad Jesus just didn't come to this earth to do a bunch of good stuff. I'm glad he didn't come and just give sight to the blind help some people who were lame walk again, resurrect a couple people from the grave and show off his power and say, hey man, I came, I loved on some folks, I did my job. But did he finish the work? And what did he finish? When he was hanging on that Christmas tree. And when he about took his last breath, he was able to pray back to God, it is finished. You see, he came, was born and took on flesh, lived a perfect life so he could hang on that tree, so he could lay down his life. Because the wages of sin is death. Jesus became that death. And if he, had, if he had stopped short, if he had just done a bunch of good things, he would have just been another man. But he didn't just stop there. He went all the way to the cross. For God so loved you, he sent his only begotten son. John 5, verse 36 is also on the screen. He says, the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, these very works that I do testify about me and that the Father has sent me. Don't miss that. And don't miss this first understanding. Why do we celebrate the birth of Christ? Because he was sent of the Father. He wasn't born to Mary and Joseph, although they would be his earthly parents. He was heavenly sent. He says that all these works that I've done and this work that I finish is a sign it testifies to this world that I was sent by the heavenly father. You see Jesus is God. He's not a man. He was God man. He was God who became flesh. He was different than all men because he came to die for the sins of all men. Go back to John chapter 17. Let's keep digging it out. John 17 verse 5. Take a look. He keeps praying He says, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, don't don't just go on to verse 6. Stop right there for a moment because there's some great theology in verse 5. There's some things you've got to understand, some things that Jesus was declaring in this moment. Read it again. Father, now glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had before the world was. Now, what was Jesus saying? What Jesus was declaring is yes, he may have been born in Bethlehem some 2000 years ago, but that isn't when he began. That's when we begin. We begin at birth. Jesus was before this world ever was. Not only do we see it here, you don't have to turn your bibles, it'll be on the screen. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. The Holy Spirit revealed to John who Jesus was, and John wrote these words. He said, "In the beginning, When all human history came together, in that very beginning, there was the Word and the Word was with God. That's capital W. It's speaking of Jesus, the living Word. And the Word was God and he was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made, for without him nothing was made that has been made. You need to understand this Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas is not just a sweet little baby that was laid in a bunch of soft little hay and had a bunch bunch of little cute critters hanging out with him and it's this nice little fairy tale that we live with in America called Christmas. Now when you look into that manger you see God so loving you and you see not a baby born of a husband and a bride but you see a Holy Spirit born God taking on flesh, Lamb of God. He had a divine purpose and he has always been. Before you were, he was. Before he was born in Bethlehem, he was. He is God. He has always been. He is the Alpha, and he is the Omega. We celebrate the virgin-born God who became flesh. People say, why do you make it such a big deal about a virgin birth? Why is that so critical? Is that not just a little story we tell at Christmas? No, it's critical. Because if he had been born of a man and a woman, he would be just like you and me, he would be a sinner who's fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus is not a natural man. He is God who came to take away the sins of man, and so he took on flesh. Paul talks about it in Colossians. You don't have to turn there. It's not even on the screen, but listen in. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, he said, "'Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation.'" by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth the visible and the invisible thrones and powers rulers and authorities all things were created by him and for him he goes on to say he is before all things and in him all things hold together you see apart from christ the one who created you the eternal one the god who so loved you he was born to die Without Christ, your life falls apart because only Christ can hold it all together. He creates us. He keeps us as we're about to see in a moment. He saves us. And he blesses us with abundant life and eternal life. And apart from all that, our lives fall apart. I know we think we can live our lives any way we want. I know we think we can live like everybody else is living. I know we think this world can give us everything we need and we pack it in. $3.2 $3.2 million necklace is going to make me a Merry Christmas. Amen? Wrong. And We pack all this stuff in and we miss the one who holds it all together. Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, who created all things and was before all things. Do you know that Jesus? Or do you just know the Christmas story? Drop down to verse 9 of John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 9. If you're still with me, say uh-huh. uh-huh. Look at verse 9. So now Jesus begins to pray in a different direction. Look at verse 9. He says, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 9, Jesus now begins to pray for his disciples, his followers. Look at verse 10. He says, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. For I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I came, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Next thing Jesus prays for is his disciples. He's about to leave them here on earth, and he's praying for their protection, and he's praying for them to continue to glorify the Father. And one way we glorify the Lord is that we walk together as one. Not as enemies, not as combatants, but we walk together as one to bring glory and honor to God and he prays over his disciples. But he doesn't just pray for the 12 or really the 11, he also prays for you and me. You can hold your place there in John, look on the screen now at Romans chapter 8 verse 33. In Romans 8 we have a verse that everybody loves but they don't see all of the passage. They love verse 28 that says God works all things together for good to those who love God, speaking of us as disciples. But I don't want you to miss out on the promise of verse 33 when he says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Satan, the enemy of your soul, loves to try to rob your testimony. He loves to steal your peace with God. He loves to get you to doubt your salvation. And he's always bringing up our baggage and our past he loves to approach God and say yeah look at that Bill Hulse guy yeah did you see what he did this week Lord he loves to be an accuser of the brethren Paul says who can bring a charge against God's elect God is the one who justifies see I used to think I was the one who justified I used to think that what I did or didn't do justified whether I went to heaven or if I was loved by God or right with God And certainly, we're called to surrender and submit to God and bring glory to God, but God is the one who justifies. So who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yeah, he was born in a manger, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, who was raised, conquered death in the grave. He is alive today. Where is Jesus today? He's at the right hand of God. That's the throne room and he's ruling and reigning over all creation just as he always has but not only is he ruling and reigning look at the last part who also intercedes for who? us. I don't know what you're praying about these days I don't know what's going on in your world I don't need to cool thing is God knows all about it and before you ever started praying about it before you ever addressed it or even knew it was coming the Lord Jesus was already praying for you. Just like he did his disciples in John 17, he prays for his disciples this very moment. And I don't, that, I don't know if that wakes you up in your faith this morning. I don't know if that gets you all kinds of juice. But I can tell you it's way better than any Hallmark movie I've sat through. Maybe two. That's way warmer and way fuzzier than any Christmas movie, any kind of story that Hollywood could produce. A God who so loved us, he died for us. A God who so loves us, he conquered death and grave. A God who so loves us, he intercedes for us and prays for us every minute of every day. He's praying for you right now. And what is he praying? Take a look at verse 12. Back to John chapter 17 and verse 12. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, speaking of Judas. It wasn't that Judas lost his salvation. He says he was never a son of God, he was a son of the devil. He never surrendered his life to Christ. Like many in this room, you may know religion, you may have attended a Baptist church, you may have a lot of religious understanding, like Judas. But if you've never been changed by the gift of Christmas, all you are is dead in your religion. I've told you before about Nicodemus, a teacher of the Jews, Nobody more religious than Nicodemus. Nobody more self-righteous than Nicodemus. Nobody who seemed to have it together better than Nicodemus. But he was empty. His life was falling apart. And he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what am I missing? And Jesus said, you must be born a second time, Nicodemus. You see, the way you're born a second time, the first time you have to have two parents, a mom and a dad, and you're physically born. They give you the gift of life. But to have eternal life, you must have a heavenly Father. There has to be a time, not that you know about eternal life, not that you know the name of Jesus, but a time where you said, I am dead in my sin, and I need a heavenly Father. Lord, I receive you into my life. Forgive me, and give me the gift of Jesus. It's at that moment that Jesus becomes the giver of eternal life. Jesus was praying here and said, I've guarded them, I have kept them. None of them have perished, that the scripture shall be fulfilled. Next thing I want you to see, next thing you need to see is that Jesus not only wants you to know eternal life, he wants you to have assurance of your eternal life. Take a look at that verse again. He says, I have kept them. You see, I used to think I could lose my salvation. I spent the early years of my Christianity Wondering, am I still saved? Have I blown it? Have I done something that would disappoint God so much that I've lost my eternity? Jesus is the one who keeps us. I also want you to see the second word there. He said, and I guarded them. When the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus is our shepherd. And he guards us and he protects us all the way to the end. And he said, not one of them perished so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I have a blessed assurance today that I'm saved. Not because I'm a preacher. Not that I'm perfect, I am far from it. I have my own issues every single day. I have to work out at the throne and the feet of Jesus through his grace and his forgiveness. But I am a child of God. Notice in verse 12, you had the children of God, the disciples. You had Judas, the son, the child of perdition. You see, there's only one of two people in this room. There are those who know God, not in their head, but their heart, and they have be- become a new person. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, In Christ, the old is dead, and we become a new person. <clears throat> that happened for me when I was 17 years old. You've heard my testimony. And what anything I did, it's what God did in that moment. As I surrendered my life to Christ, and I became a child of God. I was born spiritually. I have a Heavenly Father. One, because I was in a Baptist church. One, because I got baptized. It's because I placed my faith in Christ and I now have a Heavenly Father. Do you have a Heavenly Father? Or do you just know the name of Jesus? Do you know all the cute Christmas songs? Do you know John 3 16 that God so loved you, he gave his only begotten Son, but that's all you know? Or do you know him as Lord and Savior? If you do, this Christmas, be assured of that salvation. And why don't you spend some time focusing on the God that keeps you and the God who guards you and the God who finishes the work he began in you. Paul said this, I am confident that he who begins a good work in us, he will complete it. The question is, have you ever allowed God to start that work in your heart? For the Bible says we must believe with our heart to be saved. A lot of people got it up here. Not everybody has it here. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. The good news, what Jesus was saying is the porch pirate of your soul cannot steal the gift that God will give to you. And the question is, have you ever received that gift? Has there been a time in your life where you said, Lord, I'm a sinner and God, I'm separated from you. Lord, Not only do I believe in my head, but today I believe in my heart. I open up the door of my heart, and I invite you to come in to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says when we do that, when we believe in our heart, we become a new creature. He comes in, and he transforms us, and we now have a Heavenly Father. If you have a Heavenly Father, you know without a shadow of doubt there's been a time that God has transformed you and you've surrendered your life to him, would you raise your hand and say, I know him, I have a heavenly father, just raise your hand all over this room, awesome, put them down, a lot of people, to the glory of God, know the gift of Christmas, but maybe you're here, or perhaps you're worshiping online, and you don't know, you've never received that gift, see a gift must be received, you can't just know about a gift, it has to be received for it to be yours. If you've never received it, I pray that right now you would say, Lord, save me. I receive you into my heart. Is that you? Is there anybody here today? You need to make that decision for Christ right where you are. You can trust him. You say, what do I do? The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, they're saved. You have to pray and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and master. And he will. If that's your need this morning, there are going to be ministers standing here. We're going to stand. Alex will start to sing. You ought to be the first to come and say, man, I found the gift. I nailed it down today. Maybe you have another need that we could pray with you about, that we could serve you in. We would love to hear what God's doing in your heart. You come as well. I'm going to ask our staff to come as I pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, may you, Holy Spirit, flood this place with repentance and forgiveness and new life. God, may we receive the gift of Jesus. We ask all these things in your precious name and for your sake, amen. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.